it really is unbelievable how I'm just an average guy and anybody else can do the exact same thing. Send a couple letters out, learn how to analyze deals, lock up a deal, and then bring in partners. And that's a really good way to scale if you don't have any capital. Welcome to the Action Academy Podcast. Stand back while I celebrate freedom. The show where we help you achieve financial independence with the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps from guests who've already earned their freedom. The flags of freedom fly. Choose to do what you want. What you want. With who you want. With who you want. When you want. When you want. With another episode today. Now, here's your host, Brian Lubin. Ryan Corcoran. What's going on, buddy? What's up, man? What's going on? Happy to be here. Dude, talk to me about sending an email. How did that go for you? It's funny. Yeah, we were just talking before we jumped on here to do this live. And yeah, so really what I'm trying to do now is try to build some content, right? And so six months ago, I had started a newsletter just, and I've only got like 50 people on it at that time. And I had sent a newsletter out saying, this is what my company does. This is what we do. I'm looking for potential investors or partners. If they want to jump in, let me know. And the first email I'd ever sent to these people, and they're all my friends, coworkers, and everybody, acquaintances that I know. Absolutely. And I had thrown a deal out in this email and I had a call in like literally 45 minutes. And within two hours, I had 250 grand already that I had just raised in literally 45 minutes. And I was mind blown. I'm like, okay, I need to take this. It doesn't necessarily have to be a newsletter per se, but from a content creation standpoint and putting just putting content out and getting the word out of what I'm doing can take my business to that I didn't realize before that. Yeah. So. And this is this has been the weekly reminder to all real estate investors and entrepreneurs listening to this show to produce content. <laughs> because man, like you you wouldn't have thought that. You would have thought, oh yeah, let me casually raise 250000 from this email. You just said, eh, I'll give it a shot. And then yeah. that's what happened. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that to happen either. It was really the purpose of creating something like that was really just to show the people in my circle what I was up to. And I was never expecting any sort of raising money or partner. Dude, I've gotten partners, money, deals, different lenders, you name lawyers, you name it. I've had people come into my world just from talking about what I'm doing virtually, right? Or through platforms. And I've never been one to do any social media whatsoever. And so I'm starting to ramp that up. <laughs> exactly. And now we are happy to have you on the Action Academy podcast, brother. So to back up a bit, Give everybody an introduction of you and sure. what you're getting into because right now you are my age, right? 27? Yeah, 27. Yeah. Uh, 27. Um, yeah, we're some old folks. Yeah, over exactly. Here. All right. So, just in a short nutshell, I am a real estate investor and I've got about 100, a little over 150 units right now. And in about a month, I'll have a little over 200 by myself with some partners. But for the most part, I started, I bought a duplex when I was 21, fixed it up. I sold it and walked away with this $80,000 check. And at, at that time, I was going to school to be a, a PA. And so I was going to come out making like 120 grand as a PA. And I had just made 80 grand in a flip from a duplex. So I was like, light bulb. And uh, from there, a duplex turned into a triplex, which I ended up house hacking. So I've done pretty much every piece of real estate you can imagine from a single family flip to a live-in flip to a house hack, small multis, large multis. And so really progressing through that has led me to commercial sized multifamily. So, you know, the six unit and larger. 
but really that mm. eight to 10 units and larger. And so over the last two to three years, I've really ramped it up. And yeah, so in the last, see, in the last like four months, we've bought and we've not bought and we've purchased about 60 units. So we're, we're ramping it up a little bit. And then alongside that, I started a flipping company. And so we'll probably do about 15 flips this year and anywhere between five and 10 wholesale deals. So there we go, man. Now yeah. we're coming out the gate, coming out the gate right there. So what caused Ryan at 21 to even dabble into a flip, even jump into real estate at all? Really, I bought it to live in it. And as I was going to live in it and my parents were like, well, why don't you just, why don't you just stay home? So I ended up renting that other unit out. So I fully leased up the duplex. And then I watched from doing some rehab on it, the appreciation go up and I saw, okay, I could take that capital that's sitting in there and dump it into something else and keep it moving along. And so that's really what carried me through. But why I wanted to get into it in the first place was I said, why would I, I don't want to rent somewhere because I just, I don't really want to pay for somebody else. I don't have anything at the end of the day renting. And so I started looking at my options. I had $4,000 in my bank. My parents thought I was crazy. My friends thought I was insane. Everyone thought I was a lunatic for starting that way. And I borrow, I remember I borrowed 10 grand from my parents. I borrowed a hundred thousand dollars from my uncle and he held the note for me. And so I put all my money into this thing, like all $4,000 of my name into this to start, but it paid off. And so I, I always tell people when they're starting, just don't be afraid. You really can't be afraid. Like money is just a, I know we need it to live and we, we live off of it. It, it. We buy food with it. We have, but it's just an object. It's just like Energy. It's just an object. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it comes and goes and you can pull it from anywhere. And so, yeah, I always tell people when they're starting, just do it. Just jump in. It doesn't matter how much you have in your bank account. Find a good deal. Everything else will fall into place. So the best advice that I've gotten, and I wish I could remember who to attribute it to. But there's a quote that was like, what happens to things when you chase them? What happens to animals if you chase an animal? Like the animal yeah. runs away. Yeah. So it's like if you're chasing money and that's yeah. all you're thinking about and consumed by, it's going to run from you. But if you're attracting money, it just comes to you right? out of nowhere. And that's so what you're true. talking about. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. And then Brandon Turner talks about you have you, you have different types of partners in the deal. You have the capital, you have the hustle, mm -hmm. and you have the expertise and the knowledge. So it's, if you don't have money right now and you're listening to this show, which a, there's a lot of new people that are listening to this show right now, welcome because we're growing exponentially now. It's super fun. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have money right now, do what Ryan did and go with the hustle, go with the, and go learn, get, read the books, listen to the podcast, attend the webinars, do the free stuff, listen to this. Yeah. And then you can be able to have the capital later on. So I'm curious, how are you able to find that property? Because it, there's such a mindset shift that you, you had to go through a couple at the same time. You're <laughs> looking yeah. for a place to live. You, you, so you just said, Hey, this place is crappy. I can afford it. All right. So that was in 2000, 2018 or no, 2000, 2017. And I was, able to find properties on the MLS back then. And so this is sure. 100, 125 grand duplex on the MLS in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. That property now is worth probably 350 or more. And so back then it was relatively easy to find a deal. And it's actually a good segue here because I haven't bought a property on the MLS in the last two years. And so back then it was just strictly MLS. I had I didn't know anything. I made probably 14 or 15 offers before I actually got that duplex under contract. And yeah, it was affordable. It was 125 grand. I could borrow money from family members that wasn't all that much money. Um, and even if I didn't have family members then, I had friends, I had teachers, like I had people that I could have I lent money from. And so yeah, MLS was how I started. 
And I still think it's a good way to start if you're looking for house hacking options, because mm -hmm. it's not all that difficult to find a property, let's say like a three family property where you live in one and you rent the other two and you really reduce your expenses by 1500, but you can almost live, you may not be making money when you're living. If it's two, 300 bucks that you're spending or even 500 bucks a month that you're spending for your living expense, it's better than spending $2,000 to rent in a really nice apartment somewhere. You're sacrificing yeah. that upfront for financial freedom later down, down the road. Yeah, I got both my house hacks off of the MLS. So what I did was I did the luxury house hack to where I buy five, yeah, five bed, four bath houses and then just convert them to duplexes. So yeah. that's what we do. And then the cash flow on those are, is freaking insane. Yeah, it's because, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that it's been a fun ride. But yeah, in the beginning, you look at the MLS and you look at mm -hmm. all of that. And then so now talk... Talk to me and walk us through your transition from the MLS to getting that first off-market deal and then seeing yeah. what was actually possible. Yeah. So off-market real estate is a whole nother world. And I say that because you don't have, you don't have structure in off-market. It's just no. you and the seller. There's no agent walking you through everything. There's no one telling you what in the contract keeps you safe. But there's a lot of risks actually associated with off-market real estate that you need to learn as you go. But that's part of the fun. And I've been able to creatively put deals together off market that I would have never had a chance to do that on market. And so I'll take you through the spectrum. So I started listening to Bigger Pockets, following Brandon Turner and, and everybody else on there. And I saw people doing direct mail marketing. And so mm -hmm. I'm like, right, I can do that. I can print some letters. I got my printer, I got you know, whatever. So I, mean, I spent $200 on a printer, ink, and paper. And I bought a list on list source and I started handwriting every letter I, every, oh, everything I could do. Yeah, wow. my hand was falling apart. It was brutal. Man. But, uh, Financial but independence, I, hand cramps. Exactly. But I ended up buying a three family. So I found this three unit. Guy called me back. I ended up living in it and then selling it six months later and made $100,000 in six months from one letter I had sent. And so I'm like, okay, that was one batch of letters that I sent. I probably I sent 750 letters. So then I was like, all right, how can I scale that? So I started outsourcing the actual sending of the letters. I would still do the lists and I do all that kind of stuff. But so I hired a company in Lawrence, Massachusetts called Open Letter Marketing. They're fantastic if anybody wants to use them. And they're not paying me to say that. They really are fantastic. But yeah, they uh, to this point now, I blast out maybe 10,000 letters a month almost to people. And I'm pulling in four to five deals a month, whether it's a flip, a wholesale or a buy and hold. And it's strictly multifamily property. And these deals, um, we're getting these under contract for 60% off MSRP or market value. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's unbelievable. Uh, Off-market real estate has changed my life and my real estate investing game big time. So what would you say the cost is of those monthly marketing verse? So 10,000 letters, probably what, like sure. five, 10 grand or? Yeah. So it depends on what you choose. You can do sure. professional letters, handwritten with a pen, like auto pen letters, or you can do postcard, postcards. The postcards are probably the cheaper end. You can get those 30 to 40 cents. Yeah. Um, but yeah, about six to seven grand. Yeah, because and for people listening at this point, everyone's been so bombarded by postcards that it's almost you need to go the, the handwritten kind yeah. of way now. Yeah. Like, yeah is that that's, what you've seen too? I, yeah, I've done a little bit of handwritten and professional. So it depends on what I'm really, who I'm targeting. If I'm targeting a, a property where somebody has owned it for, let's say I put the criteria like 15 or so years or 15 or longer years with a, a lot of equity. That person's going to get a handwritten letter because I'm trying to touch them personally. I'm really, I'm trying to reach them in a personal way. So they pick up the phone and call me back. But on somebody like me, if I got a personal letter from somebody I, on a, for a 20 unit multifamily property, I'd be like, all right, that's cool. 
But if I got a professional letter with a logo and it was like, listen, we buy properties like this, we have the ability to close in this amount of time. I've called people back like that for property. So if I'm sending it to commercial size real estate, it's much more of a professional looking letter. Okay, cool. That makes sense. Yeah. So you walk us through the timeline here. So you buy... And I'm curious about this because here's what I noticed over and over again. So you've got guys that are young that are killing it. And so me and you are the same age, 27 years old. People say, oh, look at this 27-year-old dude killing it. Wow, they're young. What are they doing different? Are they buying faster? Are they doing what? But then I see this and then I walk it backwards. I said, no, this guy's got six years of experience. You've got six years of experience. You've been buying since you were 21. My buddy, Cody Caswell, who you'll meet in GoBundance because my man Ryan here just joined GoBundance. <laughs> You'll meet Cody. Cody's 25 years old and he's worth like two, 2.2 right now mm-hmm. because he started when he was 18. Yeah. So it's just time horizon. So yeah. walk us through the uh, the schedule here so that we could go into the different shifts that you had to make mentally to be able to go from the single families to the duplex, triplex, to the mm-hmm. small multi, so on yeah. and so forth. Yeah. So that's a good question. And I would say the biggest thing that took me from that smaller two family, three family to the larger properties was really partners. Like I got involved. I I started meeting people as everybody does, as you start putting yourself around other people, you meet agents, you meet just everybody, you meet other investors as you're investing and really sending letters. I met my largest partner right now. I met through a direct mail letter. I had sent a letter his property manager called me back and said, Hey, no, it's not for sale, but you should contact this guy. He's got 75 units. And at the time I was like 75 units. Like, all right. So I called wow. him up. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was three years ago. And I called him back and I was like, Mike, what's going on, man? Like uh, my name's Ryan. We were from the same town and he's like, what's going on? So we met up and the next thing you know, we ended up buying hundred units together. And so all from a direct mail letter. And so I'm a huge proponent on direct mail. If you can't tell, or just like really trying to promote off market, real estate. And okay. Yeah. So the progression, I I started meeting people doing bigger things. And he was like, why are you doing two families? Like you, okay. You make two, maybe three, $400 a month on a two family. That's awesome. How about two, three, $4,000 a month in a 10 unit or a 12 unit. And it really just opened my eyes. and, And it really just made me realize that there's really no reason for me to stick with something when something else is doing that much better. And there's no difference. It's the same amount of work to buy a duplex as it is a 12 unit. In fact, you can get more creative to buy a 12 unit than you can to buy a two unit. And once I realized that I was able to start putting together deals left and right on properties, I had no business buying at 25. Say more more on that. Why is it able to be more creative? Yeah. Okay. So number one, it's commercial lending. So it's totally different. Residential, they're looking at you as a buyer. Okay. What's your W2 job? How much money do you make? What's your debt service coverage ratio? Everything has to fit into this box. And if it does, they say, here's what you can qualify for. In commercial, they do look at that stuff, but the majority of it is, okay, what's the asset you're buying? Does it make enough money to cover our debt from the loan? And then is there enough cash flow left over where we can say, yeah, it just satisfies our criteria. And so if you can find really good off-market deals, you can have not that great of a resume and still buy a property. And then on top of that, you can start bringing in private money, hard money, equity partners. You can start taking down deals left and right, recycling the same capital versus in residential. If I were to say, you know, hey, I'm going to bring in $100,000 of private money to buy this residential property, the lender's going to be like, no, like I'm not going to qualify. Yeah. I'm not going to qualify you now because now you have another $100,000 yeah, 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 exactly. You have a gift. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. Or a gift. Exactly. So yeah. I've just used a really mastered creative financing and combining them with off-market real off-market deals and built basically built my business around that. And I love that because it's a one-two punch because you're beginning with your owner occupant, like house hacks, stuff like that, your MLS mm-hmm. stuff, and you're taking advantage of low interest rates. Because yeah. you were, you probably got what, like a three, four percent back in yeah, 2016. Three to yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I got three, three, seven, five in 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. Just got a two, five right before I finished up on my last house act. So yeah. no matter how much it annoys me, I can't sell it because that thing is a 2.5% interest rate. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> Why and are you going to sell it and, and go to a six, right? Commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So then as soon as you go from there, the commercial, the rates are a little bit higher, right? Mm-hmm. So you're probably, what are you looking at for commercial rates right now? Because I know everything's jumped up. To be honest, I just got a 4.75, which I, oh. yeah, I still can't complain. But I want to, I want to tell the story real quick. This, we'll circle this back to the 250 grand that I raised from that one newsletter email. Let's go. So I had sent letters in Bristol, Rhode Island to apartment owners. And this guy had called me back. It took me about four months to get him to agree on a price. I ended up walking the property. It's worth 2.2 million. I did not have the down payment at that time. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I have this really good deal locked up. And so at that point, I had just started sending out this newsletter. And so I sent the first newsletter out. I merged that deal that I didn't know what I was going to do with and money that I had no idea where I was going to come up with. And I basically merged the two together using content and finding a deal. And like I said, within an hour, I had money raised for that 13 unit, $2.2 million property in, in one hour. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like I've cracked the code. Like I know exactly what I'm going to do now. And so from there, I've been able to continue to send those newsletters, continue to raise more money and buy these properties. And you know, I'm, I'm owning a good amount of them outright by myself, or I'm bringing in equity partners from that newsletter. And it's unbelievable. It really is unbelievable how I'm just an average guy and anybody else can do the exact same thing. Send a couple letters out, learn how to analyze deals, lock up a deal, and then bring in partners. And that's a really good way to scale if you don't have any capital. Or it's really a good way to start if you don't have capital. This show is sponsored by the United States Postal Service. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, this is freaking awesome. This is freaking awesome, man. So that was your first big property. And then what were were the stats on that one? So that wasn't my first big one. That was just an example. But the stats on that one, we bought it for 1.592. And we put 150 grand into it and it refied at 2.2. So I pulled out. Put out, yeah, and I so I pulled out 250 grand, paid back the equity partner, and then it actually pulled out another 100 grand. It basically, poof, came out of nowhere because we increased the value so much. And and it's essentially an advanced burr, is the way I like to call it. So instead of using my own capital to buy it, I used somebody else's capital. Mm. I burred the property and then pulled back out money and pulled money out. And then there was another hundred thousand dollars that was pulled out just for, just because we had increased the value so much. Yeah, exactly. And I I don't say this to put anybody down, but dude, like that's a hundred thousand dollars of tax-free money that that's double the average American salary on just one real estate deal that I didn't infuse any capital into. And so that was a rounding error. Like that was just inflation, phantom money. Exactly. Exactly. Perfect. So let's talk about, you alluded to the point that you got your first couple of deals and you got all this because of mentors, people that you were connecting with and you were getting in the rooms with appraisers and and realtors and all these people. Let's talk a little bit about network and networking Mm -hmm. and some of the best practices and tips that you've used because myself included, like I've got a podcast now where I talk to five multimillionaires every single week. 
And so that's a pretty good networking tool. Absolutely. You and I are good at it. So I'd love to hear what you're doing to be able to advance your network because I have the opinion that money is, but time is even cooler and more valuable. And a step above that, relationships are the most valuable resource of of them all. Yeah, I completely agree. And I guess I'll start this answer with with an example. I had moved to Rhode Island within the last year and a half. Because my wife was like, oh, Rhode Island's the best place in the world. Let's go live in Rhode Island. And I can't lie. It's pretty awesome down here. But so I moved down here and I'm like, I don't know anybody here. I don't have any connections, no age. I don't know anybody down here. How the heck am I going to continue my business that I was running in New Hampshire, Massachusetts, down in Rhode Island? And networking to me is just every single person I meet, I write down their contact info. And I have it on a Google, I have it on a Google Excel. And I don't mean everybody oh, wow. in, in market basket and stuff like that. Everybody that I meet where I feel like I can bring value to that person at some point, I write down in an Excel spreadsheet. And so I when we bought our single family house, the agent that helped us buy it, I have his contact. And what I did was I reached out to him and I said, Hey man, do you know anybody who owns apartments? Do you know any who are the big time agents around here? Who's the best attorney around here? And so he'd kick me some people that own apartments. He kicked me people that that were attorneys, right? And so I took, for example, I took that attorney. I wrote his name down. I reached out to him. I set up a meeting with him and I was like, Mike, what, who are the biggest agents that you see closing deals around here? And so he started kicking me people, right? So you see how you build this system. And actually he sent me to an agent down here. He's the largest agent in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. And I ended up bringing a deal to him. I couldn't get in the door with him. He just wouldn't answer my call because I didn't bring any value initially, but I ended up finding this ridiculously good deal. And I was like, listen, Kyle, I've got a six unit property. It's a fantastic deal. And he said, you know what? You're right. And then since then I've been, I've been buddies with him and I've got seven flips going with him right now, just because I had met him through an attorney who I met through an agent. So it's all about building that. It's hard. It's building a wheel. Essentially. You're trying to pick up the speed on that wheel so you can start touching as many people as possible. Yeah. But that one degree of separation. Yeah, exactly. But to get back to your question, I ended up joining a mastermind down here in Rhode Island. And I'll never forget this. I walked into the room and and I'm 27. I'm the youngest one there. I've got the lowest net worth of anybody in there. And I knew that going into this. And the first thing we did was, all right, what are your goals for 2022? And I said, all right, I want to get to, I want to get to over 200 units. And and everyone's, that's a good goal. And I'm thinking to myself, it's a pretty damn good goal. The next person goes, I want to make a million dollars a month. The guy for that goes, yeah, I'm trying to make $2.5 million this month. And I'm like, it's January 15th. I'm looking around like a million, $2.5 million this month. And I'll never forget. I felt like such an ant, but it's been almost a year that I've been in that group with these guys. And I have personally seen not only my income, but my freedom, my, my time, my business, everything has just gone to levels in such a short period of time that I would have never, ever imagined. And just, I just joined GoBundance. So it, the point is just getting in the room with people who are doing things wildly bigger than you can ever imagine, just immediately elevates you without even realizing it. And then you turn back and you look behind you and it's okay. Like a year and a half ago, I wasn't doing any of this stuff. I was still working in an ICU as a physician assistant at that time, right? Like I, there was, how the hell did I get here? And it's really amazing. It, it really is amazing. Getting in the room with people is likely the most important or largely the most important thing you can do if you're trying to grow a business. And it pisses you off when you realize that they're just normal people too. It's crazy. <laughs> but, <laughs> they really are. Yeah. No, I would say 20% are you meet them and you're like, wow, this person is certifiably a genius. Like I'd say about 20%, but then the rest of them are, are just like normal dudes. Yeah. Like just the millionaire next door that just has 
gone through the school of hard knocks for 20, 30 years and yep. have figured it out. Yeah. And it's crazy. It really is crazy. And it's crazy to be able to now not only associate yourself with them, but to be partners with them. And so mm-hmm. every one of those guys, there's six of us in that group. I have partnered with every one of those guys on either one or two deals in already in a year's time. It's really, it really is remarkable what it can do just getting around people. And, but you got to remember, you can get in the room, but like you really, to get by you, you have to bring massive value, like massive value to these people. Otherwise you just get brushed off. Talk more on this. That's important. That's where a lot of people, that's where a lot of people miss the mark because I'm in the same situation as you, because even in GoBundance, I'm on the low side of the totem pole, but for some reason people keep hanging out with me. I, yeah. It's the Venmos that I'm sending them. Yeah. For friendship. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let anyway. me give you, I'm going to give you an example where monetary value for somebody was massive value. I ended up sending letters and I came across this land deal where it was 225 grand for a three in Taunton, Massachusetts. And one of the guys in my group lived in Taunton, Mass, and he was, he was developing real estate. And so I was like, Mark, I've got this three acre lot. The guy wants 225 grand for it. I guarantee we could probably put four or five triplexes on there and we could probably make some decent money on it. So anyways, I brought the deal to him when I could have just taken it down myself or I could have passed it up or I could have wholesaled it, whatever. We ended up going to meet the engineer who engineered it for us. So initially when we thought we could put four to five on there, dude, they approved us for eight triplexes on a lot for 225 grand. And if you want to dig into numbers, we can, but like at the end of 18 months, when these are all built and sold, we're talking like netting 5 million from one deal from off market, from an off market letter. And so that is the type of value. Yeah. And so that's the type of value that I'm trying to bring these guys that I wouldn't be able to do it myself. I've never developed Mm -hmm. before, but because I was able to find a really good deal and bring this ridiculously large value deal to somebody who I know could take down the deal. We're splitting it 50-50. And now moving forward, if I ever come across a land deal or I know anybody who has land, guess who's going to get that deal? And who gets who's going to get 50% of it? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, yeah. So it's really, it really is. You got to bring value to these people for them to bring value back to you. And I'll yeah. just, I'll circle back to that largest, those seven flips I have going on right now with him. I didn't find any one of those deals. He started kicking me deals now. So now I don't even have to find my own flips anymore. For, at least for him, just, and it doesn't take all that much. One really good value for bringing value to somebody can leave a long impression on people. I think people need to shift more to asking that question. I think people are so caught up in asking, how can I get in touch with this person? How can I get mentorship from this person? How can I get coaching from this person? Instead of asking the question, how can I be the most valuable version of me to attract these people? Yeah. Because to your point, like you're doing it with real estate and your deals and everything. And there was a time period where I thought that was me too, because I was like, oh, okay, I'm doing some real estate and I'm still doing real estate. I'm going to do bigger deals here shortly, mm-hmm. going and jumping into the commercial space. But it's mm-hmm. just like, for me, I thought I was going to do what you're doing. And I thought that was my path. And then I found out that there was just so much friction associated with it. That I was just like, that's just not my thing. And it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a it should be a universal law. It doesn't have to do with just real estate. It could be with podcasting. It could be in another business or even just as a W-2 job. I, I think bringing a huge amount of value to somebody in any world does unlimited amounts of benefits for you and that other person. And yeah, exactly. it, it doesn't have to be just real estate. 
Just, exactly. It's just, it's just what I do. It I know. And that's what's estate. so cool. That's what's so cool about it is we can take these principles and we can apply them. Like everything that you're saying, I'm pulling out things that people that are listening to this can apply no matter what they're freaking doing. Yeah. Because everything you're saying is a freaking gold mine of information and actionable stuff that people can do. And I'm over here telling them, I'm like, hey, look, like Ryan's freaking killing it. Brian's over here. And I'm like, hey, I didn't want to go that route. So now I've created a podcast. I can have people on and this is massively valuable to people. So yeah. there are an infinite amount of ways to provide value. Yeah. You just have to ask yourself. And another thing that you did that from your story that was super interesting is you knew specifically who needed what specific value. You didn't just say, hey, who wants a land deal? You said, yeah. no, that guy wants yeah. a the land deal. Talk yeah. a little bit more about that because the more specific you get with the value that you provide, the more impact it has. Talk a little yeah. bit more about that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very important and I think there's a guy down here who's a big time wholesaler. And so he's got this massive buyers list and he just so he kicks these properties out to like 5,000 people. And I'm not even joking, it's 5,000 people and he's moving like 100 plus properties a year. And I think it's fantastic. I'm just I'm not like I'm not a wholesaler at heart. And so I, I don't want to be building this massive buyer's list to kick. But so what I do is, like I said, I, everybody I meet who I think I can bring value to at some point, I put them in a sheet and I have their number, their email. And then I write a little blurb next to it. Like, okay. Like what likes land real estate or is a, a large agent in this specific area or deal is an attorney who deals with probate. And so when I come across that specific deal, because I'm continuously bombarding people with off-market real estate, every day I come across something new that I haven't seen before. I built this list where I have somebody that I can bring that to. And it's huge because you, as one person, you can't be a profession at everything. You cannot be a perfectionist at everything. You can't master everything. Like you can't be a master developer, a flipper, a single family rental, a short term. Yep. You can't do it all. You just, you'll never be that good. You'll never be like elite at that one thing. But you can get really good at bringing elite players who do that specific thing and partner with them or bring deals to those people. And now all of a sudden you're leveraging this elite person and you are now the elite one in it, right? You don't have to know everything you're doing, but you're leveraging somebody who does. And yeah, it's, it's, dude, it's powerful. It's amazing, man. I, like my life has completely changed when I realized that I don't have to be good at everything. Like I don't have to be good at almost anything. I have to be good at one thing. And for me, it's just finding deals. Mic drop moment. <laughs> Mic drop moment. <laughs> you hear that people? Like and subscribe to the show. Mic drop moment for Mr. Corcoran. Oh my God. Yes. You have to be elite at one thing. Dude, I just had the pleasure of having a billionaire guest, right? Jeff Hoffman. I yeah, founder of Priceline. Yep. He said it's called serial entrepreneur, not parallel entrepreneur. Yeah. He goes, everybody sees these millionaires and you go on Twitter and you people saying, oh, millionaires have seven figures, seven streams of income. That's the status quo. But like, did they build all of those together like no. one Friday night? Nope. No. Nope. In fact, what was I just watching? I was watching something from Violet. He posted, it was like a little clip. And it yeah. was like, he said something like, a lot of people think millionaires have all these streams of income coming in. And um, they do at some point, but none of them became a millionaire doing seven at once. They became a millionaire from mastering one thing. And once they mastered that one thing, then they can start branching out and increasing their streams of income. And for me, I you realized- earn the right. Yeah, you earn the right. And also, how can you put your energy in seven different things and make a million dollars in seven? Or it's not even just making a million dollars. How can you become a millionaire in seven different things at once? Dude, it's hard enough to 
it was hard enough to become a millionaire in real estate in the short period of time that I did, never mind doing seven of them at one time. Different fields. Like, is it possible? I don't know how someone could possibly start that way. And I think I saw the clip that you were talking about. And yeah. isn't that the same clip where Ed goes, if I'm competing in business, I will love the guy that's doing seven things at one time because I will yeah. decimate yeah, you. Blow him away. I will, exactly. Yeah, this is Because if clip. you try to dabble in Airbnb... Like over here, when you're doing multifamily and all this other stuff, you just try to dabble in Airbnb. I'm going to take yeah. the deal from you. Yeah. Because that's and my you know thing. What? It's so funny you said that. Because let me just real quick. Uh, I won't go on a tangent here. But I had this deal in, in Maui that I had. I, long story. came from a letter. And I wasn't even sending letters to people in Maui. It's a deal. Whatever. Through a bunch of hoops, I ended up with this condo in Maui for 450 grand. And there are all the other ones are like 600 grand. And so I remember I like messaged David Green. I messaged a few people who I knew would be interested in it. And I'm thinking to myself, like, why don't I just take this down? I've never done short-term rentals before. And so I'm doing the work to do this. And I'm like, I hate this. I hate it. Okay. First of all, my time zone is different. Like I got to find a manager out there. I hate this. And so I brought the deal to his his name's Mike Newbauer. He lives in Maui. I'm like, dude, you own a bunch of short-term rentals here. Can you just take this deal? It's a really good deal. Just take it. And since then we've been such good buddies that like, he's like, dude, I'm so thankful you brought me this deal. Like it's, but the point here is that like, if I were to go do that, I would really be overextending what I would not necessarily comfort, not even comfort. That's not my thing. Like my thing is multifamily. Like I would have mm-hmm. failed at, I probably would have failed at that. Or I would have been stuck with this condo that I wouldn't be paying attention to. And, and the summary of the story is that you really need to, before you start building all these other bridges, you have to continue to master that one until it's running on autopilot and you're not even around. Then if you want to go dabble in a short-term rental in Maui and you live in Massachusetts or Rhode Island, go for it. Yeah, because then you're just playing with fun money. Correct. It's, it's like Brandon Turner talks about where you got Success Island out there and you have the mainland yeah. and you have to build that bridge. But a lot of the times people keep going backwards, putting the car in reverse, driving back and create another bridge, yeah. then another bridge. So they don't actually have something that connects to the end destination. Exactly. Yeah, they have a bunch of unbuilt bridges. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So your bridge is multifamily. So yep. what is next for you? So you're talking about the triplex units that are going to be going yeah. up. When's the time frame for that? Because that's going to so, be juicy. Yeah. So those should be done by the end of 2023. But so for me, it was build this bridge of long-term rentals. So I, I bought 150 long-term rental rental units with some by myself, some with partners. But then I realized, okay, I'm not making a lot of money from them. But it, like, okay, rentals are awesome. Don't get me wrong. They make money. It's mm. unrealistic to say I'm going to buy 100 units and live off the 100 units. In my opinion, it's just, it's unrealistic. And maybe something, maybe you can. If you can, I'm jealous to figure out how you can actually do that. Not leverage. But, you can't leverage. No. If you're leveraged, like it's peanuts. And like, I'm in it too, to where you're, yeah, your cash flow, like my, yeah. my house is cash flow like crazy, but. Then you have the roof go out. You have the water heater go out. You have a tree fall in the backyard. And it kills your year in income. Just one roof, like a $25,000 roof. It kills your entire cash flow. So I looked at my portfolio and I said, all right, well, this is awesome. Like my net worth went from like negative to skyrocketing really quickly for me. And I was like, that's awesome. But I'm not making like money. It's not all about money. But for me, once you start seeing a little bit of money coming in, I'm just not sad. I'm like, Dude, I'm, I'm crazy. I'm just not satisfied. I want more. Like I said, I get around these people making a million dollars a month, making two, two and a half million dollars a month. Like I got to set my game up. And so then the, once that bridge was built and I, I have that on autopilot, I got a manager, I've got, and if I find a deal, I just throw it into that autopilot thing. And then we buy the property and it's all set. The next thing I was do, I've been doing is flipping multifamily property. 
So like I'll buy these five or six unit properties that are below rents. I'll go in there and I'll increase all the rents up. I'll do a little TLC and then I'll post it right back on the market and I'll flip it and do the things I'm making a hundred, 150 grand a flip. And so that that's like the next bridge that I've been building. So instead of keeping every single one of them, I've been either wholesaling them or flipping them. And what's your criteria uh, to keep it as opposed to flip? Okay. So if it's a deal where I say, I like, I cannot pass this up and I don't really have a, it's not necessarily a number. You don't have a buy box. Yeah. Yeah. The buy box would be if I can burn completely all my money out of this, I'm just going to keep it. Cause what's the, at that point I have $0 of the deal and it's making me money. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But if it's not quite, I'll, I'll give you an example. I just, I, I found a 10 unit deal in Woodstocker, Rhode Island. And I, I typically would have bought this deal, but I wasn't going to be able to pull out all of my money. And so, and I don't really know what's going on with the market. It was a really good deal. And so I brought it to a guy who I knew would buy this property for 800 grand. And I had locked it up for 775. And I said, listen, man, I'll sign the contract to you for 800. He's still getting 80K per unit, which is a killer deal. It should be 110. Mm-hmm. And he's, dude, this is awesome. Thank you so much for bringing me this deal. I'm like, absolutely, man. He makes money. I make money uh, and I move on. And so yeah, that's just an example of a flip that I would do. Yeah, sure. But, so what? I've got one more question, but before I get into that, I'm curious just personally. So... Have you, because you're surrounding yourself with people that are so substantially further than you. And I do that too. So everyone that I hang out with and I talk to is just, oh yeah, I'm making a million dollars passive or making $600,000 a month or something like that. I'm just like, oh, cool. Casual. That's normal now for me. Dude, do you like, is it hard for you to sometimes remember that we are actually doing pretty good too? It's, <laughs> it's, tough. it's like when I it's like we're doing nothing. So I look at myself as like this like medium, right? And so I'm floating in this medium <laughs> and I have people that are at least income wise are, are below. And then I have people that are above me and I keep floating in this medium where I would meet these people making a certain amount of money and having living the life I wanted to live. And then once I reached that point, I now am associated with people who are even higher. And then there's those people who are still people lower than me. So uh, floating in this like medium and it's, I never, I do sometimes sit back and say like, okay, like I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I'm proud of myself where I'm at, but I've never sat down and said, I'm satisfied. Like I'm satisfied where I'm at. I've never, I have never done that. And I probably will at some point. I just, I'm still in, I'm always in growth mode and I'm always just trying to like move on to the next. How can I build this business? Who can I hire to do this? And but I'm, I'm always trying to, better myself. And I, I enjoy that. I genuinely do it. It doesn't really bring me down to say that I'm never satisfied. I I am. I love, you know what, man, not many people can say that like they love their life, right? Like how many people do you know this walk around and be like, I actually love my life, but I do. I genuinely love my life. I love my wife. I love my dogs, dude. I love my family. I've been blessed to be like super healthy in my life. And I love every single day, dude. I get up at four o'clock in the morning, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I work out, I read, I do my thing, go through my day. I have a smile on my face. I just love my life and I wouldn't change anything. And part of that for me is growth. If I'm not growing, I feel like I'm stuck in like a rut and I I don't like that. So I'm I'm always trying to grow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I keep trying to tell people this and I think people are starting to listen to me because now I'm also proving a point. All right. So for those of you that maybe are brand new listening, this is your first show. First off, welcome. This is a freaking awesome show. 
but I'm literally filming this. This is the first international episode of the Action Academy podcast. We are filming this in, in Hanya, Crete, which is an island in the Mediterranean. I was going to say, dude, south, I don't even know where that is. <laughs> south of Greece. It is the largest island in Greece. And I am down here. Like I, I went and walked down to the ocean. I grabbed a Euro right before this interview. I walked back up to my apartment and now we're doing this show. And I'm like, I would, I can't imagine not doing this show. Yeah. Like people are heading to the beach and they're laying on the beach and they're drinking beer. I'm like, it's Monday. It's time to work. I'm out here because this is my best life. and It's my best environment, but I get fired up from progress and goals and success and moving towards an end destination and like doing this is what freaking fires me up, dude. And I always tell people, I'm like, yeah, go for it. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I mean, dude, I tell people, if you have the economic prowess to hit financial freedom, and if you're that person, you're that guy or that girl that has the ability to hit that and you have the discipline to hit that, you're not the type of person that's satisfied just laying on a beach. Nope. No. So what what were you saying? No, if you get to that point, I don't know one single person that has reached financial freedom and has just sat down and I'm done. I'll like throw the towel in. I'll just chill. Absolutely not. If you get there, first of all, it takes a certain type of person to get there. And that type of person is typically somebody who's trying to build some sort of business or some sort of investment strategy that they have going on. And that never stops. You get hooked and you get addicted to, it's not the money you get addicted to. You get addicted to the feeling of the dopamine rush and the high of locking a new deal up, meeting new people, getting around people that are doing crazy things. Like that's the high. It has nothing to do with how much money you make. That's a small part of it, but really it's the freedom that it allows you to live. I was listening, I listened to three of your podcasts this morning while I was going for a run and I had them on two X. All the intros, <laughs> dude, the intro is like, do what you want, where you want, with who you want. And I'm with like, who you want. Yeah. I'm like, this is, I know people say it all the time, but once you actually hit that, you don't actually realize what the power and the freedom that it actually does. To, it, it makes you feel. And once, but once you get there, you don't want to stop. If you stop, it goes away. And so, yeah, people think I'm crazy for, why don't you just like, when are you going to just chill? Like, dude, I'm never going to chill, man. I don't chill. Like I'm, I'm not a chill person. So <laughs> no. And what was the question you were going to ask? Oh yeah. D- deep question. Have you noticed that as you've been growing that, your circle of close, like your close friends, or have you lost friends from doing what you're doing? Have you lost people that you thought were good friends or close to you because of your growth? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So a great analogy that I've heard about this is, this is something that I struggled with, man, before a lot, like people don't talk about it. Podcasts don't really talk about it too much, but my friend has an analogy that I thought was the best analogy for this. And he goes, so you're, you picture your life and you're driving like a minivan down the road. He goes, and you got a six seater minivan. He goes, you don't just toss your people out your minivan. So they don't just toss your people out the van onto the side of the road while you're yeah. driving. He goes, cause they've been around, they've been with you since the ride. Like they've been right. with you since you bought the van, but that doesn't mean they need to sit front seat. Right. Yeah. Like they can yeah, sit in the back. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, just, it doesn't mean that we love them any less. It doesn't mean that we don't value the friendship, but when you're allocating, it's just a matter of allocation of time. And when you're allocating your time, your time has to be around people that are either where you're at right now that are 
from an accountability because after this, I'm hopping off in six minutes. I'm going to my accountability, my GoPod call, yeah. which you're about to experience here shortly. Yeah. And then after that, yeah, you're talking to people that are above you where you're where you want to be. Yeah. And if you're not on that level and you're not talking in that language or matching that energy, you're just not going to get the time. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I only asked that question because I've noticed that quite frequently. Every level up I go, people people come and go. They just people come and then they I just I just keep leveling up and not everybody levels up with you. And if you get stuck in a level where you do not want to be, it's hard to get out of that. You know, I just it's hard. It's, it's try not to be selfish. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, if you are not happy where you are, everybody around you is not going to be happy. So you no. need to prioritize your happiness. And once you get to that point, that everybody else is around, around you is happy because you're happy. You're the life of the party. You're you're, you're smiling. You're, but if you're not, you start you're bringing other people down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When I first in, in the beginning, so you're in the stage like I'm you're ahead of me, but I'm in the stage where it's like a couple years deep, like four years deep. You're seven years deep. So it's just like in the beginning, everyone shit talks you so much. And like like in the beginning, which is when you need the most support. Yeah. Everyone, oh, everyone, dude, my family told me that Same. buying a house hack was the worst <laughs> idea that I was going to go bankrupt. I was living in an apartment, a high rise apartment by the Brave Stadium in Atlanta, Smyrna, Georgia. And my roommate at the time, he's my best friend since college. He said that I, he hopes I go bankrupt for leaving him in that apartment. Now he has to figure out what he has to do now. So <laughs> I was just like, wow. Really? And my mom said no. Everyone said no. And I was yep. like, I'm still going to do it. So you have to get that first deal. And yep. then what happens is a year goes by, two years go by, and you keep plugging away. And then all of a sudden you come out on the other side. You're like maybe year three or four or five people, like they stop talking. Maybe they'll still be like, oh yeah, the audacity of that guy. But now they're like, okay, what they're, what Ryan and Brian are doing is working. Yeah. So then they start coming and say, hey, I'm interested. What are you doing? Yeah. Is that been your experience? Yeah, I, uh, I very similar story. My my family was like, "Why don't you just, dude?" I was making one hundred twenty five grand a year as a PA at twenty six years old, and my wife, my family, they were like, "What are you doing?" Oh, what are oh, you don't doing? Don't even get started on that. The corporate I, I, thing I, when I, I left the corporate job. Oh my god, my family awful. was like, "What?" Yeah, yeah. It's and you know what? I said, "I don't care if I fall flat on my face." I will succeed at this. It may take me 150 tries, a, a thousand tries. I don't care. I'm going to make it work. And yes. you just have to, you have to have a lot of internal motivation to be an entrepreneur. You have to have such an extreme amount of internal motivation that the external factors don't even affect you. Like you really, they can't affect you. And if they do start to affect you, you're going to get bogged down. And that's, that's something that I, when people tell me why are you doing that, that's stupid. I, don't, I literally don't care. Like, I don't care what you have to say. Have you done it before? No. Okay. I'm, I'm not trying to be rude, but like, have you done it before? No. Then, all right, then let me figure it out. And if I succeed and you want to ask me questions after, Dude, <laughs> I'll, I'll help you. But imagine how I feel about traveling around the world where not many people have done it before. <laughs> I and I had, imagine all of your systems and routines. Like right now it is going on four o'clock in the afternoon right now. So I'm doing podcast interviews at 11 midnight, 1 a.m. Oh like seven hour time difference. But here's my thing, right? I'm traveling around the world right now to like, to enjoy it for sure. Best life ever. But it's higher than that because I'm also trying to prove a point. I'm trying to say, okay, like proof of concept. Here's how to make this work. 
if you yeah. want to do this. Yeah. And like, here's how it doesn't work. But anyways, yeah. brother, where can people find you? Where can people get in touch with you so that they too can get one of these screaming deals and get on your Excel sheet? <laughs> yeah, dude, I Instagram, I just started a TikTok. I'm going to be on YouTube. I have oh, man. I'm just starting to blast out content wherever I can. And I hope people can learn from it. That's it's really, what I'm, really what it's all about. Cool. What are the handles? Oh, boy. I think it's RJ Corcoran, 08 for Instagram and TikTok. And then YouTube is just my name. I'll send you the links. You can stick them in the the show notes. Spoken truly like a man that's just now getting into the world of social media. (laughs) But remember, ladies and gentlemen, this man sent out an email, raised 250,000 with this level of social media knowledge. You can do. (laughs) Exactly. I love this it. This has bro. been awesome, man. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it, buddy. This has been Brian and Ryan signing off with the <laughs> Action Academy podcast. And